أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآله محمد وعجل فرجهم Next stage of akhlaq and I don't think these are in a particular order they should be in a particular order but tafakkur is the next one that he discusses which means reflection uh, the definition of tafakkur usually they'll say it means that you move from your from a majhul to ma'lum. Majhul means that which is unknown. And then ma'lum is that which is known. So a movement, a journey takes place between the unknown to the known. And this path that you take from point A to point B, from majhul to ma'lum is referred to as tafakkur. Okay. I think it's pretty obvious and um, it's nothing. there's nothing special here. But he says that because akhlaq or spirituality, let's say, is a, it's an internal journey of an individual. And uh, if it's an internal journey, this internal journey means that there's something happening within us and internally, that means that tafakkur is going to play a big role in it because tafakkur is that journey. Okay. And so he says, look, the Quran and our ahadith have stressed on tafakkur more than enough. We don't need to get into that. In one of two ways. Either the Quran or hadith, they will bring the word tafakkur, ta'akkul. They'll bring those terms and stress on them. Or even if they don't bring those actual terms, what those terms refer to will be brought in the verses, in the ahadith. So, for example, the Qur'an will say, إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ in, in that you'll find signs for those who have tafakkur, for those who reflect. You'll have that. So here, tafakkur, is the term itself has come in the verse. But sometimes, no. Um, you won't have that. You'll just have argumentations in the Quran, arguments in the Quran that one can only reach through tafakkur. The word tafakkur, the word ta'akkul hasn't been used, but the Quran is doing the tafakkur for us or showing us the way we should be doing tafakkur regarding a certain thing and how we should be doing ta'akkul regarding a certain matter. So that's in the Quran. The hadith, same thing. So for example, the hadith will say tafakkuru sa'atin Khairun min ibadati sana, or khairun min ibadati sitina sana. That to think for an hour, now here sa'a means hour, but I mean that's what it'll translate to, but it doesn't necessarily mean 60 minutes. So, like you set a timer, let me sit and, and think for 60 minutes. The, a session of thinking, let's call it, and reflection is better than the ibadah of a year, or some hadiths it says even up to 60 years. I think the reason for that is pretty clear because it is these reflecting moments that we have that really push us in a certain direction. It's us thinking about certain things that we make big decisions and those big decisions yield big results for us, big gains for us. Yeah, so that's the importance of tafakkur. And this is why I said that um, I think that I think that he, the order is a little off here because tafakkur should come way in the beginning. I don't know why it's coming here. That's why I said that I don't think there's a specific order they're going by. Ayatollah Jawadi, though, in his book, he's going by 
uh, another book. So whatever the order is there, probably he's just going by that. Awsaf al-Ashraf, if you remember. All right, so the definition of tafakkur, we talked about that. We talked about what it looks like a little bit in the Quran and Hadith, how it's insisted upon and emphasized. Now, what are the pillars of tafakkur? So here it starts getting a little more technical. What are the pillars of tafakkur? He says there are three main pillars for tafakkur. Number one, the mutaharrik. Mutaharrik means the one who is moving, the one who is traveling, the traveler. Okay, mutaharrik. Number two pillar is the road, the path, the distance. Okay, that's number two pillar. Number three pillar, the hadaf and destination. All right. These are the three pillars. So why are you even telling us what these three pillars are? The question might be. His answer will be this. He says, look, sometimes the traveler is one thing. The path taken is something else. And the destination is something else. Three, all three are different things. But sometimes there will be an overlap. And we'll get to those two. There's two cases where there's going to be overlap. These three won't be separate things. Two of them will be the same thing. But the first instance, in the first uh, category, these three pillars are all going to be separate from each other. They're not going to have any uh, relationship with each other, meaning overlap with each other. So, for example, he says, an example for this is, when I, me, my soul, my mind, whatever, is the mutaharrik, the one who is, Traveling and usually in all cases, it is me who is the traveler. The path that I'm going to take is the design of the universe. Okay, the design of the universe, the fine tuning of the universe, you know, the famous uh, argument from design. And the hadaf, the goal, the destination is the tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So three different things we have here, here. Me, Allah, the path to Allah, which is what? Which is the universe. Using that as the medium between me and Allah to get me to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person will sit down and think. A person, the traveler, will sit down and think. In other words, take the path of argument from design, for example. Look at the design of the universe and the result the destination they will reach is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his tawheed. Okay. Another example for that is the contingency argument, for example, and so on. These are things that we have talked about before in other classes. All right. But number two scenario is when the mutaharrik is the same and has a 100% overlap with the journey, the path itself. The traveler and the path are the same and then the hadaf the destination is different which is allah the traveler is me the path i'm going to take to allah is me the destination is allah in this in this scenario yeah the traveler and the path are one so for example he says that we have hadith araftullah subhanahu that there's that famous hadith that says, I reached Allah, I gained the ma'rifah of Allah. Yeah, I think this is a Nahjul Balagha. Yeah. Imam Ali says, I reached Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through what? Through not looking around, looking at my own self 
and understanding and seeing how I will make certain decisions and then someone else as if sometimes breaks those decisions. Not that he takes away free will from me and takes away my power from me. But I will decide for one thing, but something else happens. Or I will decide on one thing and then all of a sudden, last minute, I change my mind. It shows that there is another power out there. He says, I reach Allah through myself. Okay. Now here there are some details though that we'll talk about later. But for now, this is the second scenario, the second category. These pillars, two of them overlapped. And then there's another overlap. Scenario number three. Now we'll talk, get into detail with this one a little bit. And that is that the mutaharrik is one thing, the traveler, the one on the journey. But the path and the destination overlap. What is the path? Allah. The destination? Allah. Okay. So it's kind of like confusing here. What kind of path is that? If I'm on the path and it's Allah, then I've reached the destination. What does this overlap mean even? First things first. Hadith says, or this is very famous, it's in Mafatih, in, uh, the Dua of Sabah. Ya man dalla ala dhatihi bi dhatihi. Oh, the one who points to his essence, his self through his self. What does that mean? It gets philosophical. Or in that famous part of Dua Arafah, towards the end of it, Does anyone other than you shine more? Oh Allah, Imam Hussein to Allah. Does anyone other than you shine more and has more manifestation than you yourself, O oh Allah? So you see, sometimes you want to see something that's in the dark. What do you do? Use a flashlight to light up that object, correct? Sometimes you want to see the sun. Do you take a flashlight and point it at the sun? <laughs> the problem is it's dark, but it's dark. I don't see the sun because your eyes are closed, right? Your eyes are closed. That's why you don't see the sun. You don't need a flashlight to... You will need something that is clearer, yes, to make something that is less clear, clearer. Let me repeat that. You need something that is clearer to make clear that which is less clear. Okay? But when something is clearer than everything else, why do I need something else to make it clear for me? Okay? So we're talking about tafakkur again, reflection. Sometimes I will use the medium of myself. Sometimes I will use the medium of all, everything, my surroundings, the universe. Sometimes I will zoom in on existence itself. Okay? Existence itself. I won't look at myself. I won't look around me. I will look at existence itself. Now, it's philosophical. Very philosophical. This is referred to as, if you want to say it, as one can say that this is referred to as the argument of Siddiqeen. Burhan as-Siddiqeen. The argument of the truthful, of the voracious. Yeah. If you look it up, you'll find it on, even on Wikipedia. And so this uh, is what the philosophers and Urafa talk about. This is what they like to talk about. And so they'll give an example. They'll say, look, if I want to give you a material, tangible example, it's like saying sometimes I will prove to you that the sun is out. Why? Because I see the rays. I see how everything's lit up. I see different things. I'm like, okay, the sun must be out. 
Sometimes I know the sun is out because I look and I see the sun itself, that it's out. And I say, the sun is out. That's what it's kind of like. Which one might be more prone to mistake and error? The one where you use something else to prove something or not when you use, when you look at the thing itself. That's the example they'll use. And so Mullah Sadra, he talks about this. That famous philosopher, he talks about this. He says, no that the paths to Allah are many. Why? Because he has a lot of fada'il and kamalat. Yeah? A lot of virtues and perfections. Each of these you can use to reach the one who possesses those perfections. You will look at a perfection, you'll say, okay, this perfection is there. It must belong to somebody. And you reach Allah. But he says, some of these paths are stronger, better, and more luminous than others. The best, the strongest of all of these arguments though is the one that uses the medium of and the means of God himself. Does not use anything other than the necessary being himself, the wajibul wujud himself. I know I'm getting a little technical here. I hope you forgive me. He says, in this case, uh, the path and the destination will be one. Remember we were talking about this. So Ayatollah Jawadi is probably taking this from Mullah Sadra. The path and the destination will be one. And this is the path of the Siddiqeen. And we'll talk about why they call it Siddiqeen. The Siddiqeen. They will use God to prove God himself. And then after God is proven, then they will go to his qualities and his actions. Because usually what do we do? In all of the other methods that we had of reflection, what we did was we would first go to the actions of God or the qualities of God and we make our way up to the top. This one goes the other way and there is a technical term for it. I don't know the English of it, but there is a term for it. That reasoning that you use to from bottom up versus up to down. and Or from the effect to the cause or the argument that starts from the cause itself instead of using the effect to reach the cause. Why is it called the Burhan of the Siddiqeen? The reason they say is because Abyssinia, um, he called it that. Because the Sidq and the accuracy and the truthfulness of this is more than everything else. Yeah. And so that's why he calls it that. In a nutshell, before I move on, in a nutshell, look, what happens is that you will zoom in on existence, not this existent and that existent and the things that exist out there. You will understand that there is an existence that is devoid of, that you can look at in your mind, devoid of all of the particularities. Okay? You will look at existence from that perspective. From there, you make your way up to, okay, this existence, all of it is interconnected is maybe one and because it is all one it is eternal and it just goes on from there and so you will reach a point where you're like okay this is god itself god is existence okay anyway this is the third method of tafakkur as you can see two of those three pillars are overlapping they are the path and the destination all right so we don't want to get this is not a philosophy class um but it just shows that look, there are a, there's a lot going out there, going on out there, when it comes to these uh, ph these philosophical notions. All right, that is 
tafakkur and its pillars. Remember I said we're going to come back to something? When we were talking about the second uh, category of tafakkur, where the traveler and the path are one, and the destination is different, correct? The path is one with the traveler. In other words, the traveler, the one who wants to reach God, reaches God through khud shinasi, they call it. Knowing the self, knowledge of the self. All right? In this one, this idea and concept of al-ayat al-afaqiyah wal-ayat al-anfusiyah comes into the picture. سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ We will show them the signs in the afaq, in the horizons. وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ Within themselves. حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ Until it becomes clear to them that He is the Haqq. Allah is the Haqq. Allah is proven to them. So let me pull up, let me just, uh, just so I have the address of it. Uh, what is it? Surah Fussilat, verse 53. Alright, so in this verse, you have two sets of signs it's saying. It's categorizing signs into two. One of them is the horizons, meaning everything out there around you. And anfus, within the self. Here the question is, that second category of tafakkur and reflection, it had to do with the signs, right? Those that those which those things which are, excuse me, not the signs. That which is within us, our self, correct? The first category had to do with everything around us. The second category had to do with within us, ourselves. Ayatullah Jawadi here he says, if the first one is referred to as afaq, the second one is referred to as anfus. I want to explain something. He says, he says, don't get fooled by this idea that if it has to do with me then it's anfusi. No. It depends on how you look at yourself. If you look at yourself as that material body, okay, then this is also, he says some people, they will they will interpret these signs of the anfus, the signs of the self, as, you know, the digestive system and how cool it is, how the eye works, Yes how the nervous system works, all of these things. And so they'll say, because we zoomed in on ourselves, yes, this is ayat anfusiyya. And so we reach Allah through that. Look at look at the design, look at how beautiful everything is working. And I've seen this in uh, some of the tafasir. I checked and I, I noticed that yes, some have actually interpreted the verse as such. The verse that says the horizons and themselves, they say horizons is everything outside of you. And then themselves is everything within you. You know how beautifully like a clock our bodies are working. Right? So Ayatollah Jawadi says, no. I beg to differ. That is even part of afaq, horizons. The, 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 the physical body is part of the horizons actually. The afaq. He says, anfus is something more than that. It is, it is the real me. The real me is not the body. All right, so if you're looking at the real me, which is the soul of the of you, which is what defines the real self of you, then yeah, that is going to be anfusi, the anfusi signs of Allah. All right, 
He even says, like, don't get confused. Even if you look at your internal feelings, you know, that which has to do with your soul, your internal feelings, your thoughts, the way you process things. He says, even this, I believe there's more depth to it than just that. And he takes the discussion to the Anfus meaning more than that, right? So that is one thing that I find pretty cool, actually. That dikkah, that, um, that, that meticulousness that he is actually exercising here, Ayatollah Jawadi, it really stands out to me at least. Alright, so then he moves on now. He goes on to another little discussion that we have. And that is, if a person, now that we know what tafakkur is, because akhlaq is an internal journey. What, whatever contributes to this journey Yes, is going to have to do with akhlaq. And since this journey is within me, tafakkur is also within me. So tafakkur helps me in that journey. In a journey, you're supposed to be moving. If you don't move, what are you like? You are like a rock. You are like a stone. That's why the opposite in Arabic of mutafakkir is mutahajjar. Okay? Mutahajjar comes from hajar. Hajar means rock. Mutahajjar means a person who kind of is acting like a rock. You know, what are you going to dress up for as Halloween? I'm going to dress up as a stone. <laughs> right? He says that the Quran refers to hearts as fahiyya kal hijara. Some of these hearts are like, a, are like stone. Why? These people don't think at all. The only amount of thought they put into things is oh, our forefathers were doing this and that, and so we're going to do it like that. What kind of tafakkur, what kind of reflection are you having? So this person <clears throat> who doesn't have tafakkur is just like a stone. Why do you call him a stone? Well, because stones don't move. Stones don't journey and travel. Or, for example, another word for tafakkur in Arabic is nazar. Right? In Farsi we say this. We say, what's your nazar? What's your nazar on this issue? That means, what's your idea on this issue? What's your opinion on this? Nazareth chie. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know if you have this in Urdu or not. So, do you have it? Okay. So, if a person, nazar, which means opinion, it comes from nazar, meaning to look at something. And so, a person who is nazir, means they're looking, also they'll have an opinion. You can't have an opinion on something when your eyes are closed, so to speak, right? And so he says, this is why also the Qur'an refers to people who don't think as what? As blind. Yes, they're blind. Yeah, so that is the opposite of tafakkur. So are you going to be able to journey towards Allah if you don't have tafakkur? No, you're going to be like a stone on the side of a road. And finally, an example of tafakkur. How does tafakkur, what, let, let's see what it yields for us. Tafakkur. I want to read a little bit off of this. He says, this is what I mean when I, when I say tafakkur, moving from one point to another point. He says, a person will look at the causes of different things. Will analyze them. All right, so... This chair, this wooden uh, table is existing right now. Well, what was the cause of it? What brought it into existence? What brought this table into existence? And this person, after analyzing this, thinking about it, will come to the conclusion that the carpenter did it. Well, 
Where did the carpenter come from? And so on all the way that, till this chain goes up, up, up till illatul ilal, the cause of all causes. And from this one will yield this notion of huwal awwal. Allah is the, the one in the, the, the beginning. Huwal awwal. Have you ever asked yourself, why is Allah al-awwal wal-akhir? Isn't that a paradox? How is he the first and the last? Well, let's go on and see what he says. He says, with tafakkur, a person reaches huwal awwal. Then a person will start looking at other causes of things. Why? The cause of a table coming to existence sometimes is what? Someone, the carpenter who actually built it, right? But there's also other causes as well. What is the goal of this? The goal that the person had in mind, right? When building the table is what caused them to build the table or else they wouldn't have built the table. And so this is the illa ghaiya they call it, okay? Which is the reason why it was built. So this person will look at the table and say, why was it built? And so it was built for studying, for writing and so on. And so that is a perfection that will be gained through this table coming into existence. But wait, is there a perfection higher than this that caused us to even want to write and study and read on a table? Yes. What is that perfection? To gain knowledge, for example. So he'll say that this person will start thinking, thinking, thinking. And sometimes this thinking isn't something like we do sitting down and actually spending time on. It's a, it'll happen like in, in a moment. It's not like we need time for it necessarily. Just seeing things is enough for us sometimes to be able to figure a lot of things out, by the way. So, this person will start to analyze, what is the goal behind this? Oh, it's that. Okay, well, that perfection, is it a relative perfection or is it an ultimate one, an absolute one? No, it's a relative one. And so this will keep going down and down and down until the, uh, the, the end goal of everything is what? Is Allah Himself again. Is God Himself again. And so, akhir. He is the end as well. Okay? I made this table for this purpose. Well, what's the purpose for that? This purpose, this purpose. What are you trying to eventually get to here? Hello? I'm eventually trying to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether I know it or not. Because look, either you know that the ultimate perfection out there is Allah or you don't know. If you don't know, you're still looking for perfection. You just don't identify it with Allah. So, you don't know it, but that thing that you're after is Allah in the end. Huwal <laughs> akhir. He is the end. So huwal awwal wal akhir, according to this explanation that he's giving, huwal awwal means he's, he's the first. When you take that chain of causes all the way up to the top. Huwal akhir means he is that last destination and goal of everything. Okay, this is like the fruit of tafakkur, he says. I wish he had given other examples because he very nicely explains these. So what happens now? If a person through this reflection reaches this huwal awwal, huwal akhir, he says, in this case, what happens now, I'm going to personally hold my ears from here on. I'm not going to listen to what he's saying because this is very lofty what we're going to read right now. It doesn't apply to me. I'm a beginner. Yeah. And sometimes I get worried if I read these things, some who might be listening later might feel like a little overwhelmed and be like, oh my God, I'm so far away from this. Don't worry. Your brother is just like you in this uh, being far away. <laughs> okay? So, um, but what it says here is, while we're holding our ears, he says, when a person reaches this point, 
of huwa al-awwal wal-akhir through some proper rigorous thinking and reflection, that person will not want anything from Allah anymore. Um, want, want any action from Allah? Want, want anything from Allah other than Allah Himself? And will reach a point that they won't even do dua for others except one dua. And that is, I pray that you don't see anything but Allah. <laughs> That's why I said, see, I told you, hold your ears. <laughs> he doesn't say, it says he, does, he or she won't even say, I hope that you are healthy under the uh, blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah blesses you with health. Now see, we're listening, I'm, I'm saying this, this does not mean we don't do dua for people's health. Okay, please, let's understand this. Okay. Um, but all in all, all in all, there are some who will reach a point where they 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 can't ask Allah for anything except one thing, and that's Allah Himself. And so, for even for others, nothing's worth it except. And if you have Allah, then the rest is taken care of. It's not like oh, it's either Allah or health, or it's Allah or wealth. No, that will come with it. And that's why I'm saying, a person like me is not ready for this because I will see that these two sometimes will be at odds with each other. It's either Allah or health, Allah or wealth. Or I won't understand at least that with one will come the other naturally and automatically. Yeah, so he says, until the Jawadi, he says that that will be their dua for people. That I pray that you won't see other than Allah. He says if a person reaches such a rank and such a station, Allah will give them everything. See, that's important. So it's not like, oh, I don't want health, wealth, or anything. I just want Allah so all that other stuff can go out the window. I don't care. No. If Allah's existence encompasses everything and you have Allah, then everything will be there within the existence of Allah. And so he says, Allah will give them everything and these false pleasures of life will slowly uh, you know, leave this individual. And only pure beauty will remain and that is what we ask Allah for in dua of sahar in Ramadan Allahumma inni as'aluka min jamalika bi ajmalihi wa kullu jamalika jameel Allahumma inni as'aluka bi jamalika kullihi all of the jamal all of the kamal all of the jalal yes all of the greatness magnificence beauty perfection all of these things it's all in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's all in God and so that's what I'm asking you for, oh Allah. I'm asking you for yourself, which is all of these things. And then he goes on. I mean, we're still holding on our, we're still holding on to our ears, right? Inshallah, right? It says, um, of course, those who have not reached such ranks, what will they want from Allah? Look, I will never speak when I'm speaking on the, like, if I'm speaking on the mimbar to an audience of you know, an audience full of different types of people, I will never speak about these things. Okay? Because these can be misunderstood. And these, the least sometimes is that they will take away all motivation from a person, take all hope from them. Right? Because they feel like, oh my God, I'm such a horrible person. No, this is not the case. Okay? These things are normal. These things are fine. It just shows that, wow, there is a long way to go though. And there is a lot more out there than just collecting sneakers. Which is also fine, by the way. Okay, I just have to keep making these disclaimers, right? Collecting 
uh, as long as it's not extravagance or if you're doing it for you know to make a halal living so you sell for profit and all of that that's fine all right gosh <laughs> there was a time where you didn't have to worry about what you say because there was no internet yeah all right so anyway um he says there are some who haven't reached these ranks though and so what happens is they will ask allah for their daily problems to be resolved Okay, that's what they ask Allah for. He says, yes, it's true that our daily needs have to be fulfilled and satisfied so that we have calmness. And with that calmness and tranquility, we can continue the path of virtue, the path of shuhud, the path of spirituality. But those who have tried their best to only attain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they don't even see the things that come their way throughout the day as problems and struggles to begin with. For me, it's a, daily, it's a problem in daily life, and so I need a solution for it. For them, it's not even a problem to begin with. And so, why is it not a problem? He says, because when, an, when a person doesn't have any attachment to anything, when that thing ceases to exist, they will not be affected by it. They won't be affected. And because, and the flip side, and if someone is very attached to something, when that thing ceases to exist, they will be affected. So these people aren't affected with the problems that come and go. And this is why he says that we have to try our best when it comes to refining the soul. Try our best, inshallah, slowly and reasonably and realistically to try to decrease those attachments that we have so that the uh, the impressionability we have towards those things the influence those things they have that have on us decreases so in other words he says i want to be invincible the only way to be invincible what does invincible mean that means no matter what comes at you it doesn't affect you right it doesn't affect you he says, I don't want to be affected by things. The only way to not be affected is to decrease impressionability or whatever else word you can think of. Taking influence and taking effect from things. The only way to do that is to decrease attachment. Because the more, the, the harder it's going to be. He says, and he, he likens it to a shaking hand. He says, a shaking hand can never hold like a glass uh, a glass container that has a lot of value it can't it'll fall and break the same way the heart that is always going up and down yeah and is being shaken because of all of the different things that it has attachment to and all of the fear of it of losing this or that um, that heart cannot cannot contain the trust of Allah that which Allah has endowed and trusted us with all right so the final paragraph he says therefore proper pure tafakkur is that a person understands those tawheedi those tawheed related ma'arif and teachings to understand them properly so you can say that here right, to the jawadi is saying look like things like irfan like theoretical irfan and philosophy and things like that they do play a role. It's not like they don't play any role. You know, you've noticed, I've all, I'm always saying it's all about the amal, amal, amal. I've said that, but every now and then, I don't think you noticed, I would kind of hint at the fact that, look, ilm also plays a role. 
it's just not the active ingredient necessarily in our growth all the time. Then the amal plays a stronger role to the point where even if I have the right ilm, if I don't have the right amal, my ilm will go, will be weak and shaky. I do say that. But those who, yes, they have a better understanding of Allah and Tawheed in all of its aspects. Yes, these people are having a little bit, a little journey within them, he says. And so as a result, uh, the dust of other than Allah slowly also will go away. And you'll have this with our greats. You'll have this in our, in our, in our hadiths and in our teachings. You'll have this everywhere. I said this last week. Was it last week, I think? Where... You know, they said, describe Allama Tabatabai for us in one line. In, 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 you know, how, how was he? He would think one year, speak one sentence. Yeah. Or how Allama Tabatabai in his class uh, would say, in the middle of his class, he would stop and start thinking. I mean, the thought would just hit him, I guess. And it was such a heavy thought that he couldn't continue teaching and he would just go on a little tangent in class. Like Ayatollah Hassan Zadda Amri says this. Rahmatullah alayh. That, uh, you, know, you know, I've said this before, that Allama would say, we have eternity before us. We have nothing else to do in this life except to build our eternity, right? So a person who's thought about this before a lot, you know, even in the middle of dars, when it crosses their mind, it just stops them and they can't go on because that's how much thought they've given it. This is tafakkur. This is tafakkur. Imam Rada salam they say when he would read Quran, yeah, and when he would read the verses of Adab, he would seek refuge in Allah. Well, who seeks refuge in Allah when coming across verses like these? The one who actually sits down, thinks of them, maybe paints a little picture in their mind of them, these descriptions. And Jannah, the verses of Jannah, he would stop, think about them, it says, and he would ask Allah for them. We have so many different things here. Ayatullah Bahjat, yeah, that, that, that thing we put up a, a week ago, maybe about what he says, all you need to do is think a little bit and you'll understand that, look, no one's getting more than 10% of what they wish for in this life. All right? Understand that. And so how much of an expectation are you going to have? Where, How high is the bar going to be or low is it going to be for you when it comes to the dunya? Set it to that much. Nothing more than that. And so when problems come, you won't get, or you lose something or gain something, you won't get too happy or too upset because you know, okay, this is part of the 10% or the 90% that I'm never going to get. Yeah, they, these things come with thought. When they come with thought and you hammer them in, the amal will flow. With the amal that's that's in accordance with this thought, yes, that ha that nail that you've hammered in will stay put and won't come out. Yeah, so these two will come hand in hand, amal and this ilm. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Any questions before we end? No? Alright. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.